If you like Rogan and Rodney, be sure to check out Petros and Money. Hear them live weekdays at 3 on AM 570 LA Sports or podcast their show on the iHeartRadio app by searching Petros and Money. AM 570 an LA Sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney, Rodney Keith. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. Rodney Pete and Rob Parker joining you on a throwback Thursday. I do want to remind everyone that we have a short show tomorrow and it is being taken over by my man Magic Johnson. So we'll have a lot to talk about in an hour. I'm just going to let him roll. It's the magic hour right here on uh, AM 570. 100%. We're going to let him roll. He'll have a lot to say about what happens tonight with the Lakers and then what happened last night with the Clippers, the state of L.A. and the NBA and basketball and all those type of things. So one hour, we'll talk to him, get some stories. He'll also take some of your calls tomorrow. So get ready for Magic Johnson tomorrow at noon to 1. All right. Hold on, hold on, Rob Parker. Don't interrupt this, this, Rob Parker. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. We got to let this marinate for a second because this only means one thing. This only means the man. Yes, the man is joining us. He sat in the big chair. He's our guy. Ned Coletti. Ned, what's going on? Gentlemen, great opening. You know what? Good summer song right there. Yeah. Long time ago, good summer song. You see, Rob, every time Ned comes on, we got to hit him with a little Chicago, man. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. wondering because that's the, the big one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No doubt about it. Gets you in the mood, Ned. Uh, speaking about being in the mood, Ned, all right, so is is all good in Dodgerland now? We all good? Have a good series with you know the what Cardinals? you got. You know, once once in a while, your your other uh, partner over there gets a little bit you know a little bit iffy from time yes. to time. But hey. who is that? Are you Fred. mad? Me? Fred. Oh, Fred. Fred panics. Oh, Fred. Fred panics with every loss. So yeah, oh yeah, we got to calm him down. So, Fred, yeah. yeah, we sent him on vacation. Kershaw yes. gives up a hit, and Fred is you know up uh, you know up in arms by. You know, time will tell, but I tell you what, you know, I don't know. I mean, San Diego's played well, no doubt. I don't know if they got the staying power. Giants, big weekend series, winning the last three in L.A. But, again, you got to have staying power. We're, even a, we're getting to be about a third of the way in. you got two-thirds yet to go in the Dodgers. I, I think the teams, the, the Giants and the Padres, they had their best chance, barring the unforeseen. They had their best chance to make a move, to put, some, put a four-, five-, six-game distance between them and L.A., unable to do it. And I think when you get you – got, Cody back and doing good. Mookie's been better this week. You got more guys coming back this week, and AJ Pollock, Nelson. You got Seager on the mend. You know, you, at some point in time, you're going to have a full team. They got this record playing with a third of their lineup, really. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say, Ned. Well, real but quick. wait a minute, yeah. Ned. Let me let, let me say this though. I yeah. hear what you're saying, but also you got to look at the Padres. I mean, they didn't have their best player. He's been out two different times. And they still have been able to, to hang in. They didn't disappear when Tatis uh, both times had to uh, step aside for injury. 
No, I, I get that. And I'm not saying they're not a good team. I just don't know that they got the staying power to last with L.A. for another hundred and some games. You know, they've got decent pitching. They don't have the starting pitching the Dodgers have. And if you've got starting pitching, you can, you can run the baseball world. You've got to be able to pitch and make pitches and not have anything, not have that inning where something goes, <clears throat> goes haywire, a guy falls behind the eight hitter, two and oh, and next thing you know, the eight hitter's on base or the pitcher's on base. We see it almost night after night. And I just think that, you know, San Diego's much better. And I think a year from now, they're going to give the Dodgers even more trouble than this year. But right here and right now, to have over a hundred games to play, I don't know that anybody can beat the Dodgers, including San Diego. Yeah, and when you, you know, a lot of times everybody wants to, to well, like, except for Fred, like to keep the glass half full, right? We, we want to believe that that's the case. And in this case, it feels like it's been good for the Dodgers, even though they haven't won as many games as people like, but to weather the storm with the injuries that they had and still to be right here in striking distance is a good thing. They're going to get Pollock back. They're going to get Gonsolin back. They're, you know, they're going to get Gratterall back. They're getting Bellinger and McKinstry are coming back now. And, and Belly, it was good to see him hit a grand slam to kind of get that monkey off his back and get that feeling again. So you're right. They're getting it all back and getting these guys healthy again. They're going to get Seager back in, in a little while as well. Um, so it's, it's to your point, you know, they had a chance, meaning the Padres and the Giants, to, to uh, put some distance uh, ahead of the Dodgers, but the Dodgers didn't go away. They're still right here. But when you look at those other two teams, the Padres and the Giants, and you talk about staying power, Ned, which one of those two teams has more, you think, ability to have that staying power to the end? Well, I think San Diego does. And, and no knock on San Francisco. I think they're one of the surprise teams in the league. But, you know, it's, it's tough to surprise baseball for 162 games. You can do it for a period of time, month, two months, half a season, you know, even even five months. You can sometimes see it, but to really be able to do it over a full year, I, I just don't see San Francisco able to do it, and and to really continue to play as well as they played. When the Dodgers were up in San Francisco, they took it to them pretty good. Okay, they come back, they win the first game of the four the Dodgers do, and then San San Francisco pitches good, they execute about to perfection, and then win, win three games. You know, they're capable of doing that in a period of time. I don't see them being capable of doing that for another 100-plus games. San Diego is closer to it to me than the Giants are in doing it. But San Diego's also got to, got to pitch well enough continually through their rotation. You know, when, when you're the Dodgers, who, what, what pitcher that, what starting pitcher that goes out there before Dustin May got hurt? When you had, then you've had bullpen games since. Do you go, oh boy, we're going to have to score a lot of runs tonight to be in this game? There is nobody. But there's, about, not, there's no other rotation in the, in the league that, that can feel that way. And the Dodgers will exploit you. If you can't throw, if you can't pitch them and execute, the Dodgers will find a way to beat you early, middle, or late, but they'll find a way to win that game. You mentioned Mookie Betts, who had three hits, and in that three game series, he was 6'4, uh, 11. Batting average went from uh, 240 to 264, but he definitely hasn't looked the same, uh, and obviously he's getting better. But has he been injured? Uh, there was also uh, talk about him changing his diet to vegan. Do you know anything about that, Ned? And Or, or has he just well, been dealing with some injuries that maybe that they don't make that much of? Well, I think 
He's, he seems to be, and I really don't know him that well, he seems to be somebody that you're going to have to fight to get out of the lineup. He's not going to take a day off. Yeah. And some days guys will play hurt, try to play through different things. In baseball, you know, you're playing it pretty much every day. So you don't really have a, a long recovery period if there is something that's nagging at you. And I think that was probably, I don't think he was 100%. Will he ever admit to that? Probably not. Not his style. Not an excuse guy. But I think that you're starting to see him better. And to me, that's that's another point to my first my first part of the conversation. You got no Seeger, you got no Bellinger, you got no no AJ Pollock, no Zach McKinstry who had such a great two or three weeks to start the season. But you've had Mookie Betts hitting two forty, two fifty. Got a three hundred lifetime hitter pretty much. You know, kind of the engine that runs the team. And he hasn't been right for, for the first you know, fifty some games or so. So, you know, that's just another thing that I, I, I go back to my original comment on it. But I think he's starting to pull out of it. I think he's starting to, to play better and, and be more, more of what, uh, what he was with the Red Sox and what he's been with the Dodgers for his first year plus. He's, an, he's one of the best players in the game. But the baseball season will average out. Unless the guy's really severely hurt, the baseball season will average itself out, and, and he's – He's got a ways to go, which is good news for the Dodgers and not so good news for everybody else. Absolutely. Ned Coletti joins us, former Dodger GM, also author of The Big Chair. If you haven't had a chance to read The Big Chair, please, please go get The Big Chair. The great read. Uh, Ned, talk about Gavin Lux. Now, you know, as a, as a young kid coming up, it was often talked about, you know, he's got a lot of talent. He struggled. They had to send him down. He had to go soul-searching, went back home to Wisconsin and soul-searched and came back with a vengeance, we're seeing, you know, uh, the talent that everybody thought he had. But he also has been having the benefit of playing shortstop, his natural position, now that Corey Seager's out. Um, and he has been, you know, talked about as a guy that kind of sometimes takes his woes at the plate to the field. And we saw that sometimes at second base where he didn't look the same uh, when he was struggling at the plate. Uh, when Seager does come back and he has to move back to second base, do you think that's going to affect him in any sort of way? Or is this multiple uh, weeks of playing time uh, really helping him? I think it's um, been a real big turning point in his career. Everybody knows the ability. Everybody knows the, you know, the prospect tag and, and the expectation. But until you really do it, it's nothing but expectation. And the longer you have expectation that doesn't get fulfilled, the weightier that becomes. I think the way he's played in the last month has been terrific. I think that three-run homer kind of really gave him a lot of confidence, and we've seen it on, on both the offensive and defensive part of the game. Um, that he can play shortstop and play it well is another huge dynamic for this franchise that most teams don't have. Most teams, you lose a guy like Corey Seager, you know, you're, you're trying to patch it together. I mean, I, I lost Rafael Fercal uh, years ago for a while with a back injury. And, you know, we were playing guys that could, could pick it up and could catch it, but they were going to hit 180, 190, you know, and so you try to weather that storm. You move a guy like Gavin Lux over, and, you know, he's, he's one of their best players, and he's been that way for a month. And so I think this was a huge turning point for him. I always measure it, you know, even in my own life, you know. So how do you do with adversity? Anybody can celebrate, but how do you do when, when you're – when you're called upon to, to fight your way through an uncomfortable situation, survive it and almost thrive in it. And, you know, people at the beginning of April were wondering if he should be sent back to the alternate site until AAA starts up. And, 
you know, he was disappointing and this way and that way. And, you know, he knows it, too. He knows what people expect of him. But then he got that big three-run homer, and I think that freed him up. And he's been excellent since. So I think when players do that, I think they gain the con- a separate degree of confidence almost, one that they know when, when, when they do struggle, they know how to get out of it. They know how to make themselves get back to where they belong. And it's one thing to be able to do it in double-A or triple-A, playing in front of 5,000, 3,000, 2,000 fans. Another thing to do it at Dodger Stadium, and we're about, about a week or so away, 10 days away, 12 days away from having 55,000 people back there. It's, it's a different deal to be able to do it at the highest level, whether it's the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. It's tough, in my opinion, to be able to pull yourself back up when everybody's watching when the games have, have a tremendous amount of meaning. But that's what he's done, and I think that will serve him for a long, long time, perhaps his entire career, to know that, you know what, I did figure it out. And I figured it out with a lot of weight on me and a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation. I, don't, I didn't just do it to an average, acceptable way, but I played when Corey Seager was out, and I played well. And I, and I helped carry this team to keep us close while we went through all the storm of injury. I think it'll be with him forever. I think that's what makes professional athletes professional athletes that play at the highest level for a long time, their ability to go through adversity and come out of it better than they went into it. Ned, when you look at the Dodgers as, as we go forward and the season continues to roll on, what might they need? Is there anything? Do they have everything they need? Do they have enough bullpen help today? Would they look at get, adding another starter? Would they look at adding anything? You know, obviously they picked up Albert Pujols, who's worked out for them. But is there anything on their to-do list as we get to the you know midway point of the season and maybe start looking around? Well, there's a, there's a piece of that that we don't know. And only they know and the training staff knows how different players are doing. If there's, especially when, and you mentioned, you mentioned pitching, uh, right. especially with your pitchers, if there's somebody that is finicky, if there's somebody that's having a tough time, um, you know, you, you got to keep your eye on that. Again, you've got, if you find somebody out there that you think can help your team, you got to make that move. Even if it's an incremental small upgrade, you have to do that if you think that you're going to have an injury issue coming down the pike. I think with, with Julio, who's pitched so well, you know, he's going to hit an innings threshold this year where he's never been before. So I would always kind of keep my, my eye on that a little bit. And we also know this about him, though. He can pitch out of the pen. If you can get to October and he's still got some, some energy left and still got some uh, ability to make good pitches, which he's been terrific at except for maybe one or two games, you know that he can finish. You know that he can pitch out of a pen. He can pitch late. That's a weapon not a lot of teams have or a lot of teams know yet that they have. But who closed out the World Series? He did. Who got him to that point? Victor Gonzalez got him to that point. So you've got some other options, too. I think keeping your rotation healthy throughout is a key, especially the four that are left. And they'll get Tony Gosselin back at some point, so they'll have a legit fifth guy right there. Uh, I think that's a key, and knowing that if, if you get into a postseason and you can go with three starting pitchers and those three guys are healthy and they're excellent, they're all Cy Young candidates every time they go out there between Clayton and Walker and Trevor, now you've got a couple more pieces you can move into that bullpen. But I think you know, you're probably at the place right now where 
an injury to any one of the key people, whether it's Trinan, Kenley, um, the, the four starting pitchers, or a couple other pitchers on that staff, if you see wear and tear or you see uh, a decline coming, trends are showing you analytically you're seeing something that is, is not as strong as it, as it is today, you know, you're going to have to adjust that because you're going to have to pitch in the, in the postseason. You've got to pitch and you've got to execute defensively. We know there's enough offense to, go, to, go, you know, to, to beat anybody because they haven't even, even really had it yet. Right. They've had maybe four or five games with Seager and Bellinger in the lineup at the same time. You know, and you've got others. And Mookie, we've already talked about how he struggled a little bit. So the offense doesn't worry me. I think the pitching will always worry everybody as far as making sure your key guys, and there's a lot of them on this staff, continue to be able to prosper and continue to keep their health and, and everything else going in the right direction. But Julio's the one guy, because of his innings limits the last few years, at some point in time, yeah. you know, they've, they've probably got to be thinking about, so how far do we push him, knowing that you know that we don't want to obviously get him hurt, but we also want to make sure that his stuff has the consistency to it and the life to it uh, that he's got right now, because he has been outstanding. He's pitched some of the best games on a staff full of great starting yeah. pitching. He might be he's the best. Some of the man. best games this season. He might be the best of of them all that that's had the most consistent performances. I mean, even you know Trevor Bowers had his struggles as as of late, but Julio's been that guy that's just been on fire. And you're right. And yes. Do you pull him back at, in some time at some point in say August? Start to pull the reins back a little bit. And, and getting ready for the, for October, that's that's a that's a tough decision to figure out. Uh, another one that I want to ask you before we let you go is I, I want to talk yeah. about Kinley um, because he has had his resurgence. I mean, uh, and we've he struggled the last couple of years, and we we all know it's all been documented. And even in the off season, he has talked about I'm changing my diet. I got a new workout. I lost twenty pounds. He's done all of those things, but but to no avail. But for whatever reason, this year. It, it it is it is clicked back again. Not only has he been very good, but he's hitting ninety seven, ninety eight. Uh, it is Kenley like we saw him four or five years ago. What do you attribute that to? And is it just you know for a guy late in his career like this to be able to switch it back on and hopefully he can continue? But what do you attribute it to? Well, I, I think some of it is um, is mechanical. His delivery is—he's got a long delivery, long stride, which is to his benefit. And like any pitcher, I mean, he's got to be synced up. And sometimes he—he he is out of sync, in my opinion. Uh, he's been synced up far more than he has the last couple of years in his consistency to it. The last time, last time out, last couple times out, I've almost noticed—and I'm, I'm taking a wild guess here—but I've seen the delivery for as long as he's pitched. Um, there was almost a touch of a hesitation at the top of his delivery, just a very, very small touch of hesitation, which to me really propels him down the mound better, faster, with more thrust behind it. And I think that has also added a couple miles an hour to that, to his fastball and his cutter. When he can keep the ball in that vicinity velocity-wise, everything he throws has got more life to it. And I, I think there's this, there's just a touch of hesitation. He doesn't come all the way through. He brings it to the top and almost, and it's just a minute pause. And then he comes down that hill, and that's been great. I think there's something else too. And I, you know, this is just a guess. And I've known him since he was probably 18, 19 years old, you know, thereabouts. But you know, he loves being a Dodger too. I think yeah. that it, it hurt not being on the mound when they won the World Series. I think. Mm-hmm. 
whether it's ego, pride, or, or just competitiveness, that the ball wasn't in his hand to finish off Tampa. And I think when you, when you look, and I think he's a free agent at the end of the season, I think it means a lot to him to, to finish his career with this organization and to be the guy and to stand on the mound for the last out. And so he knows that he's got to continue to stay synced up and continue to find different ways to fine-tune really an excellent, excellent career. I mean, a historic career in so many ways. All-time save leader for the organization. An organization steeped in pitching. But, you know, you have to continually refine. And I think he's refined his delivery. I think it's more in sync. And I think he's still got a tremendous hunger to A, be a Dodger. And, and maybe not A and B, but A and, and 1A, be a Dodger and be on the mound for the last out of a World Series championship. I think that drives, that drives the best. And then they do something about it, and he has. Yeah, and let's, let's hope it continues. Well, Ned, uh, thanks for joining us again, man. Uh, Appreciate you know, it. I know with Rob. Anytime, gentlemen. Love talking to you. We don't Thank have you to, for the time today. We don't have to talk Rob off the ledge. I know no, it's all good. Ledge. It's all good. Fred, Fred, Fred's on vacation. We had to send him on vacation, Ned, so he can uh, come back for the <laughs> Calm second down. Half. Calm down for the second half of the season. But thanks a lot, man, for joining us. You're welcome, guys. Have a great day. All right, let's get into some more NBA, Rob. I want to talk about just overall NBA. And, you know, as you look back, you know, we're looking at and focused on the West and the Clippers and the Lakers. But the East, there's some incredible games going on, the excitement going in, going on. Trey Young's putting on a, a, a performance of the ages for a young kid back there. Also, uh, Brooklyn Nets, they look good and almost unbeatable. But is that a good thing? We'll find that out. We'll talk about that on the other side. AM570 LA Sports. Sometimes on Throwback Thursday, you gotta let them marinate. You know? Yeah. For those of us of a certain age, we kinda like this. Not for the young kids, though. Not for the young kids. Alright, we continue on. Um, wanna get back into some some NBA talk a little bit. Uh, not just uh, Lakers and Clippers. But also some uh, some Eastern Conference talk, and Rob, I want to first of all, I want to I want to talk about is, is Trey Young the new Reggie Miller? It certainly looked like <laughs> that. I mean, because he was engaged. You're a New York guy. How did that make right, you feel? He he was just engaged with um, the fans. It didn't bother him. You know, the name called. Nobody's talking about spitting or that craziness. I'm he just did, talking he about. He did make a spitting gesture, though. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying, like, just just that he wasn't bothered by it. He loved it. He took a bow when he made a big shot. Three-pointer. Did you see that yep. at the end of the game? Wave goodbye. Wave goodbye. Good night, everybody. See you next time. You know, like, he was enjoying it. And it was great that Reggie Miller was doing the game with Marv Albert. I mean, yeah. right? I thought that was cool. And, um, yeah, I, lo- I love that he's uh, – if you play sports – What do you sports, say about that? Because some people, you know, there's a purist that hate it and say, why is he nah. doing that? And then there's – Sports is entertainment, man. It, you, know, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm one of those guys. Uh, sports is entertainment. I, I love when – 
players like you know like understand it, kind of get back with the fans, a give and take. Yeah, as long it's just fun. You know, it's a game. That's why I like what like I I can't get enough of watching Tatis. Yeah, you know I really can. You know Rodney oh, like, like that, that guy's a, that guy's a showman. Like yeah. he could and he could play. He ain't just like chirping and doing stuff and he's a scrub. He can actually play he's not, and is a great the ML player. Car? He's not the ML car. <laughs> right. He's not like just waving a towel, like, <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Doing that kind of thing. But no, I, I love it. I think it's great for the NBA. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I think he is the, the, the new Reggie Miller. And, and as a young kid, he's going to have to, you know, if the, if the Knicks can continue, uh, you know, getting better, uh, it's, it's a, it's a Eastern conference that he could see the Knicks fans quite a bit. Uh, especially in the playoffs. But speaking of the Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, they they annihilated a shorthanded Boston team. Did They're what they to, were supposed to, right? Did what yep. they were supposed to. But when those three guys are going, Rob Parker, when those three guys got it going like this, they scored 102 points, I think, in one of those games. And it is pick your poison. We were just talking about that with Luka Doncic, but they got three of those guys that, that can go off. It is, it's like, okay, whose night is it going to be? Like, they get around the table, sitting around the table, go, whose night is it tonight? Oh, it's your night, KD? Okay, you go for 40. Well, James Harden is going to your night tonight. So, okay, I'm going to go for 40. And then Kyrie, your turn. Um, and, and they're unstoppable. If they are to go on and win it and do it in the way that they've done it, in the way they constructed this team, with those guys really only playing together, I believe it was only seven games that they seven played. Seven or eight games, right. They played during the, during the regular yep. season. All of them took time off, took, you know, 15, 20 games off, and and they go on and win it. What does that say to the NBA? Does that begin, does that start a trend? of? Okay, it's a it's scary not, trend. It, right. it really is because then the whole notion, Rodney, of like having to be cohesive and building chemistry, I mean – or is it just about an arms race and their talent? Like those three guys are three of the top, what, 12 or 15 players in the NBA? I would so say it, those are the three of the top 10 guys. Okay, the three of the top 10. Maybe even three of the top six. Well, all right, so, so is, it, is it just talent? Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. all that you need. And it's not about trying to put together something. And the other players, the role players, played during the regular season when they weren't there. The Nets kept winning despite Durant not being there, and then they just seamlessly get back in, it could make the, the regular season even even more irrelevant than it is. And that's the problem is that you're starting to get I, – I would hate for the NBA to be like college basketball, yeah. Rodney, where we only watch March Madness because right. that's what – right? We used to watch college basketball. I know I don't watch it like I used yeah, to. Yeah, we used to care about it. We used to care about the matchups yes. you know, going forward. And, you know <laughs> – you know, I hate to use the reference back in the day, but I am of a certain age, and so are you, Rob. But yeah, yes, yeah, so you used to look forward to those, you know, Georgetown Villanova matchups or Georgetown North Carolina in season matchups, Georgetown Virginia North Carolina. Yes, those were games you watched. You watched, you know, and 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 now it is about the tournament. But if they, if the Nets do this, and just think about this, if for the Lakers, the season that they went through with both AD and LeBron being down if say they had one of those guys another top six top seven player in the league if they had james harden was on the lakers oh god right during that stretch so they lose ad they lose lebron but they still got james harden it's a whole different ball game right which the way they played all season long because those guys didn't play together but it didn't matter in terms of win losses now if they went up against a good philly team it was tough to beat them without 
you know, at least two of those guys. But for the most part, they were able to do it with a lot of times only one of those three playing, and they got it done. So imagine if you're the Lakers going, all we need is one more of those guys, and we can get it done, which, is like you said, makes it a scary trend because you're going to see there's only going to be really a handful of teams right. that can win a title. And, and, and that's, I mean, I know for, if you're living in one of those cities, you love it. But NBA America, I, I don't think the rest of NBA America would love it because you have some nice teams and good teams, and then people go, everybody totally discounted Phoenix. Oh, they're not winning anything, right? They're the yeah. second-best record in the West. No, Everybody disrespected Utah. Oh, I'm not, you know, Utah is no, no, nothing to be afraid of. Like, these are the teams that were the number one and number two seeds in the, in the Western Conference. And, yeah. and people, like, totally dismissed them because they don't have those big-name guys like a LeBron or an AD or a Kawhi or somebody like that. So they're totally dismissed, and people don't think they have a chance to win. Well, on the flip side of that, then, you look at the West. Like you just mentioned, is it a, would it be a good thing? I know, you know Clipper fans, Laker fans don't want to hear it because both those teams were looked at as one and two in terms of the favorites. Like you mentioned, it didn't matter what Utah did all season long. Yep. People still pointed to the Clippers or the Lakers. Or the Lakers, right. Um, didn't matter what Denver did. Didn't matter what Phoenix did. Phoenix is young. They're years away. Even though they added Chris Paul, they're still a young team with – with uh, they, they're a couple years away. But if the Clippers and Lakers get bounced, then it opens up, see, see, we can win as a small market, smaller market team, putting it together like we put it together. We don't have to bring in, you know, three of the, the top, top 10, seven, players, yeah, right. 10 players in the league. We can get it done. Well, if Utah or Phoenix makes it out of the West, that will change and that will be unbelievable. And then to see what happens. You know what I mean? What if it's Milwaukee and Phoenix? Milwaukee and for, Utah. Bad for the NBA. <laughs> the NBA wouldn't be happy about it, but, right? Yeah. No. Can you imagine that final? I mean, uh, I, I I know ESPN and ABC would have a baby. I mean, they're already, they left, they lost Steph Curry, no playoffs, yeah. and they could be without LeBron James after, after the first round. I yeah. mean, Someone the execs ain't happy. Someone was mentioning that LeBron is, is whispering in Steph's, Steph's ear uh, to come on down yeah. south for a few years. I don't see that happening. Not happening. I just don't. I, if you're Steph and you've already won three championships and you built this legacy at Golden State, you're going to go to be. Yeah, it'd be different if he didn't just, win one. Right. Why would you do that? And then you would be second to LeBron? Why would a guy who's revered somewhere, right, and is called. Uh, you know, one of those uh, players. What, what do they call? It? I just got the, the the with a T. Transformational, transgenerational. What trans? Yeah, one of those. Gen a generational type player, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, why would you go and be a second banana or fiddle to somebody? I I, I don't get that. Yeah. Well, do you think KD was a second fiddle when he went to Golden State? Yes, he was, but the only difference was he took over the team and won the two finals MVPs, but he went to Steph's team. There's no yeah. denying that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if Steph came to the Lakers, he's coming to LeBron's team. There's no there's no way around that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It'll be interesting to see how it finishes and plays out, but I, I think we got some great matchups. Philly, you know, the Philly matchup. The, Except for Milwaukee, Embiid, if, the, if, if Embiid he can stay healthy, play, yeah. my goodness It'll gracious. It'll be interesting. Um, Real quick, Rob, because I, I, something came across uh, my my desk, and I, I want to point it out because I heard, you know, and 
you know, you've you've got your podcast, but somebody's taking shots at you saying baseball is boring. Yes, did you see that? <laughs> David Allen Greer. He's ripping me. You know, my baseball podcast dropped today, uh, inside the Parker on the Herd Podcast yes. Network. And uh, so, of course, his first response was, baseball is boring. I'm like, come on. <laughs> what was your response? I'm like, not to me it ain't. And you know what? I said, I, I watch I baseball. You said it's a thinking man's game. It's a thinking man's game, and I watch it every night. I do, Rodney. You know that. Uh, Rob Parker, there is something uh, that is a done deal that I didn't see coming, but... It's coming, and it's coming for spring. We'll talk about that next. Bringing you L.A.'s best sports talk weekdays, noon to 3. Bogan and Rodney. That's right. Oh, man. Yeah, Rob. Oh, Rob just threw off his headphones and got up and started dancing. Go ahead, Rob. Throwback Thursday. Rob Parker, Rodney P. Check this out. Today at 3 o'clock is the next Petros and Money Virtual Summer Chevy Summer Tour. Watch it on YouTube and Facebook and enter now for your chance to win a Chevy Silverado at AM570 LA Sports slash Chevy. Brought to you by the Chevy Silverado, the number one selling full-size pickup in California. Rob Parker, it is back. It is back. The USFL is back. The United States Football League, which previously existed for three seasons in the 80s, which was yeah, a lot of players playing at USFL back in the day. Man, people but, were making money because the uh, NFL yes. was cheap. Are they you were kidding paying me? Out. That's why they folded so quick because they were paying guys a lot They were paying guys, though. Rightfully um, so. I always thought NFL players have been cheated. <laughs> uh, but it's coming. It's coming. It's, uh, you know, Doug Flutie gave a big kickoff saying, it's, see you in 2022. Uh, USL. Oh, is he playing? Oh, okay. I'm just asking. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. USFL is back for the spring league. Rob, look, we, we, we saw, which one was it? XFL, MFL, D, DFL. What one of them leagues? Several AAF. 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 Um, had, had a run. And, and, and let's be fair. Last year or before the pandemic, it had a nice little run. The ratings were okay. And and then the pandemic hit and they couldn't survive. Any startup, you know, had to deal with the pandemic. I don't care what industry you're in, you know, really suffered, and especially the the, the football spring leagues that that were popping up. Um, but do you think that that this can survive, Rob, the spring football league? No, I don't understand the people who keep doing this, which is basically. If you remember that AAF or whatever it was, yeah. they had like Bill Polian, all these big-time football mm -hmm. people, oh, yeah. and they had uh, – who was the, the former executive at NBC? They had all of that. They had yeah. networks broadcasting the games, everything. Yeah. They almost couldn't make payroll, Rodney, the yeah. second week. You know why? People don't love football. They love NFL football. They love the best version of it. That's right. why the World Football League folded, the Europe Football League folded, uh, the XFL, all these leagues. No, people don't want minor league or cut rate football just to have it on. Everybody goes, oh, well, between after the Super Bowl, I want football. They put it on, and guess what? People were curious for a week, Rodney, and then yeah. that was it. When you see the, uh, the um, uh, quality of play, it's not good enough. And then you go, I'm not watching minor league football. 
That's why there are no minor league football leagues. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you, can it work if they – because most of the leagues have tried to compete with with the NFL. I think the, the, you know, the world, no, the it, European league that they tried was, was like more of a farm system over there, you know, where they had to but even Germany there, people and didn't even, Barcelona and things like that. But do you think a farm football system, football league, if they were to say, we're not competing with the NFL, these are for guys trying to make it to the NFL, and there was some sort of joint partnership or agreement with the NFL that it could work? I don't think it would. I think that people like, you know, Rodney, it's like I always say, we love ice cream, right? But then we start working at the ice cream factory, and all of a sudden, I'll skip ice cream. I'll get it tomorrow. I'll get it the next day. You want the offseason to make you look forward to the next one, right? I, don't, I, I, I want baseball during baseball season, not all year round. I want NBA during the NBA. I'm looking forward to next season. I don't want football 12 months a year and then not cut-rate football. That's what people don't understand. I think they got it twisted. They think you could put anything on and people will watch it because it's football. It, it's, it hasn't worked. It just hasn't worked. And they can't afford to pay people like they did in the USFL when they were trying to make it. You know, no, the USFL, look at the XFL. They had, look at yeah. all the money they had behind it, right? I mean, yeah. they had money. They had networks. They had everything. They had and Fred it Rogan. flopped. <laughs> Fred Rogan broadcasting games. Did he do games? He did. He did some XFL games. He, 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 did he his check clear he after he was McMahon done? McMahon used to ride on the plane together. Fred wow. was part of the first iteration of the XFL, not the most recent one, which got off to a decent yeah, start, dude. and the ratings were okay, and they feel like the pandemic really floundered it because it was actually making pretty decent headway. How long standing it would have been? It was like nine weeks. The so, second, the second version. The mean. second version from just uh, last yeah. year. Now, but the, the first Rock, version, the they had great ratings. The, the, yeah, and The Rock did purchase it from uh, Vince McMahon, and he and his wife, uh, ex-wife, now business partner, are trying to keep it afloat and bring it back uh, either next year or in 2023. But yes, uh, Rob, the the first iteration was, but it was a joke. Yeah, yeah. wrestling announcers doing the games. You had cheerleaders and hot tubs and all kinds of gimmicks. They were yeah. trying to drum up drama between uh, Jesse the Body Ventura and a coach. They're, they took any wrestling elements into it and got away from football, and I think that's why it did at least a little bit better the second time around because they hired, hired Oliver Luck, took all the wrestling elements out of it, and just made it into a football league, and it actually did pretty decent. Money derailed the AAF. They yeah. had ownership that didn't have any money, and they had to go into like an NHL owner to try to fund them. Right. The XFL was actually doing okay before the pandemic hit. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm still not. I don't know anybody. And 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 don't get me wrong. If something's on, it doesn't mean uh, I can't see people buying tickets and and going like long term. There's a novelty to it, and I think they've tried. Uh, you know, everybody's tried to put these secondary leagues. I just think that. If once you're used to watching like the top of the best of the best, I'm gonna watch some guy I don't know and 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 uh, I I think it's an uphill battle. Are they just, trying to go into cities? I don't. Did they announce the cities? I know this is a minimum of eight teams that they're trying to put together for. They don't the even USFL. have the cities and stuff. They don't but, know because right and because you can't really compete with NFL cities or even surrounding cities around an NFL team. Can you? You got to be in Iowa or somewhere. You got to be in. You know the deep. Well, south. where they don't have anything, and 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 you can go, and, and that's how minor, minor league baseball has done so well. Yeah. You know, minor league baseball and attendance; those are in places that they they can't get to a major league city, or there. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the heartland of the United States, I just think this whole notion that 
people are going to flock to this just because it's football. I, I think that they've tried. They've tried leagues over. and How many football leagues have yeah, they tried? a lot, a lot, and none of them have really worked. And, and again, Rodney, you watch football. US, Did you, 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 you've watched these leagues. You, is it entertaining watch, to you? I'm not watching this. Okay, you know, all right. I'm just, just saying. And, and to your point, be, and for me, obviously, because I played, but, right. but I, I want to see the best go against the best. And I think most fans want to see the best go against the best. Unless you're you're talking, you know, you got a team in Birmingham, Alabama that's a, a professional f- football team, you may get a draw. But if uh, the rest of the country who, you know, the Raiders... But if you put that team it, in New Orleans, no, you, you're not going to get anybody. Yeah, nobody really wants to, to do that. All right, do or die for our Los Angeles Lakers tonight. Our Laker insider, Bill Oram, will join us next hour and we'll get his take on AD and the state of the Los Angeles Lakers.